Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Well, hey, welcome back. Uh, I just want to say again, I am so excited. I'm so thankful that you are participating with us here on Church Online, and I believe God has got a word for us today. So I want to invite you to go ahead and grab your Bibles, make sure you've got those, uh, open up to Acts chapter 2, because that's where we're going to be today as we continue our series, Reset Back to the Basics. Uh, last week, just to kind of recap us so that we're all on the same page, uh, we did Acts chapter 1, and in Acts chapter 1, we discovered three big ideas that honestly, you're going to find these all throughout the rest of the book of Acts. These three ideas are just going to be repeated over and over and over. And the first one is that purpose is given. Right there at the beginning, Jesus gives his disciples, us and the 12 standing in front of him, an assignment to carry the name of Jesus, to be witnesses, to be transformed into the kind of people who would display the grace of God. So he gives us purpose, purpose is given, but number two, we don't have to accomplish that purpose on our own, no, because power is available. Power is available. And then number three, we said that people are our target. Um, that, that this family of faith is an inclusive family, not exclusive. Everybody gets brought in to what God has promised through Jesus Christ. And what we discovered is it coordinated uh, with these three kind of big ideas are three sticking points that we don't want to get stuck here as a church. We don't want to get stuck here as a movement, but uh, the temptation and, and the reality is that a lot of churches get stuck on one of these three things. And we said, number one, if purpose is given, a lot of times we can get stuck when we turn inward instead of turning outward. We can make it all about us. We can become selfish. We can become, you know, just our us and us and no more, our four and no more, you know? Uh, or we can, we can make the assumption that it's somebody else's job, that it's somebody else's responsibility. Well, it's just, it, Pastor, it's you. You're the one who, who is the witness. You're the one who, you know, preaches the gospel. Me, I just sit here and take it all in. And that's not the case. No, we got to turn outward rather than turning inward. Number two, if power is available, then the temptation is that we try to do this thing in our own strength. And let me tell you, that doesn't work. Let me, let me say this to us, Vertical Church. We will never accomplish what God has promised and purposed for our church to do in Hampton Roads if we try to do it in our own strength. It's not going to happen. So, so that's another place we can get stuck. And then the last one is that the human tendency is to create us and them groups, in groups and out groups. And some of that is inevitable. Here's the reality. I'm a man. I'm part of an in-group of men. I know what men um, are, are like. I feel more comfortable. I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I've never been a woman, and I don't ever plan to be a woman. <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying? So it's real easy for us to create us and them groups, and then here's what we do. We label the out group, and we decide that somehow they are not as, um, they are not as, as open to, or they're not as um, worthy 
of the gospel of, of grace of Jesus Christ. And so we, we divide groups and we label people and, and we can't do that because why? Because people are our target. What kind of people? People, people, all kinds of people, people. And so what we need is we need a reset. Uh, we need a, we need, this is, this is what the series is called, reset, right? Back to the basics. Uh, we've got to, we've got to reset our heart, reset our church. I, there's something that happens in my life when, when I'm going through transition or when there's uh, something going on in our culture or, or I, I just periodically feel like the Lord brings me back to the book of Acts to just reset my heart, my vision, my intention, my call, my purpose to, to discover in these first stories of the movement of the Christian church that I find, like I live in the text. I find uh, my um, so much of my identity in reading about uh, these early followers of Jesus. And so that's why we're, we're going through the book of Acts. That's why we're reading it and preaching it. That's why on the Vertical Church Friends and Family Facebook group, I'm so excited about all of you jumping in and commenting about what you're reading that day. We're doing a chapter a day. Come on, you can still join us. Catch up. It's June uh, 7th. Man, Start on chapter seven today, all right, and then pick the, the first six chapters up as we go through the rest of the month. You can do that, all right. And so reset, like how many of you, I was thinking about this this week, how many of you had a Nintendo Classic? Like we didn't call it Nintendo Classic at the time, it was just Nintendo Entertainment System, right? The NES, you know, you just, you have one of those. Would you like comment down below if you had a classic Nintendo? And then, and then do this in your comment, how did you go about resetting your, how did you get it to work when it wouldn't work anymore? Because the Nintendo, right on the front, right, you had a power button. Of course, you had to push the power button to turn the, the power on. But then you also had a reset button. And sometimes, you know, if your game wasn't working right or you just got frustrated or, or um, you know, you lost a game in Tecmo Bowl and you didn't want to have a, a loss, you just hit that reset button. You know what I mean? Just reset. But sometimes reset wouldn't work. And so then you had to get creative. What were some of your creative like ways that you would get your Nintendo to work? For, for us, we did a couple of things. One, we would take the cartridge and we would we'd blow on it. How many people blew on the cartridge? Come on, come on. How, how many of you were cartridge blowers? And then, and then if that didn't work, we would slide it in and we would up, down, up, down. You know what I'm saying? Like try to just get it to work. And then power, 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 power. And eventually, if none of that worked, we would take we would take paper and we would fold it up and we would try to slide it right between the cartridge and that little metal bar so that it sat in there and made a good connection. And and we were trying to reset, right? Like, well, here's the in the reset series, we're not trying to blow on the cartridge ourselves. But what we are asking, come on somebody, like let's get we're asking the Holy Spirit to blow on the cartridge of vertical church. Can I get an amen and give us a divine reset? Give us give us fresh vision, fresh purpose in this story of the beginnings of the Christian movement. So uh, we've said all along, listen, the outcome of reset, back to the basics. The outcome of reading through the book of Acts, the outcome of preaching through the book of Acts is not so that you and I know more about Acts. That's not it. It's not so that we have all this knowledge and we can tell, we could recite the whole book. No, no, no. 
the outcome that we're looking for is that we would be a church marked by the presence of God. That we would be a church, by reading about the beginnings of the church, we would be a church marked by the presence of God to leave a mark in Hampton Roads and beyond. That we would be a people leading other people to pursue and display the presence of God throughout Hampton Roads. Road. So come on, if you have a Bible, we're in chapter 2 today, Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 12, because here's the deal, this chapter is so thick, we ain't getting through it today, okay? It's just not going to happen. This is a huge chapter. This is an incredibly foundational, formational chapter for the entire global church community. And what we see here in chapter 2 is that the Holy Spirit is poured out. And three things happen. Number one, the gospel is preached. Number two, people are radically saved. And number three, the church explodes. Or in other words, purpose, power, and people. Come on, look, you see it right there. Right in the beginning of this, uh, of this chapter, you see purpose, power, and people happening right there. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. All right, let's go. Let's get into this. Verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost came. Now, what I want to do is I just want to slow down right here and take 60, 90 seconds, I don't know, just to talk and explain what Pentecost means and what it signifies. Well, Pentecost is an, first, it's an agricultural festival. It's, it's, when, it's when the farmers would, would bring the first harvest of wheat, the first few you know, um, uh, offerings of wheat, and bring them to God as a first fruits offering. But also, Pentecost was a celebration of God giving Moses the law on Mount Sinai. So way back in the Old Testament, way back there, when, when Moses goes to the mountain and gets the tones, stone tablets, you know, this is what they're celebrating. And the law, listen, it's, it, the best way to think about the law is not just, you know, all the rules and codes and co all that. No, no, no. The law was God's, it was God's way for God's people to live out God's purpose. Again, let me say it again. It was God's way for God's people to live out God's purpose. So here, here we go, right? Acts chapter 2. This is, this is what Luke is kind of painting for us. Just like Moses went up to, to a mountain and came down with the law, now Jesus has gone up to heaven and brought down, not a law written on stone, but the Holy Spirit to write the law of God on human hearts. And he did it when this big family reunion is happening right there in Jerusalem and the city is filled with God-fearing Jews from all over the world to celebrate Pentecost. Now the Spirit is given to, give, to, to, to show God's way for God's people to fulfill God's purpose. All right, here we go. When the day of Pentecost came, verse 1, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 5. 
Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And then Luke gives a list of the different people groups that were there. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And I love verse 12. Verse 12 says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what? does this mean? Come on, can you imagine this moment? Can you just like slow down, pause, put yourself there in Acts chapter 2 and imagine the scene. Jesus has given you purpose. He's, he's spoken to you a word and he's told you, you got to wait on the power to fulfill the purpose that I've just given you. And as you're waiting, this sound from heaven comes and this wind blows and it looks like tongues of fire are, are, are setting on each person and people start speaking languages left and right all over the place. It's like Rosetta Stone just exploded right there in Jerusalem. And I think like, I think it's noteworthy just to, to like stop here and, and recognize this, especially given the cultural moment that we're in. The sound of heaven is the sound of unity in diversity. Did you, did you see that in the text? The sound of heaven is the sound of the gospel being proclaimed, the wonders of God being declared in a multitude of languages. Unity, one message, God, Jesus is King, Jesus is Lord, God is our Father. Look at what God has done. One message in languages of like the entire world. Unity and diversity. You see, what's amazing right here at the very beginning of Acts chapter 2 is the disciples speak in, in the mother tongues of other peoples, not by their own design, not because they got up in a, in a room and they had a strategy session. They said, hey, we're going to learn all these different languages. No, no, no. It was the desire of the Holy Spirit for these people to speak the language of other people. Because to speak a language is to speak a people. To speak a language, it's an intimate, familiar, relational idea. To speak in someone's native tongue, in their native language. Come on, those of you who are bilingual, who are really fluent in another language that's not the language you grew up in, I can... I can probably guess a couple things about you. Number one, I bet you have come to love the people and the culture of the language that you've learned that's not your own. There, there's something about that people group that you, have, that you have grown to love and admire and cherish. Here's what God wants us to see. This is what Luke is telling us. God speaks people fluently, and God wants his disciples to speak people fluently too. And what's amazing right here, when, when this sound 
comes, this explosion of force and fire happens in Jerusalem, and people start hearing other people speak the languages of other people, a crowd is attracted to that. It's drawn to this sound because, it, you know, when, when the Greeks conquered people, they made those people speak Greek. When, when um, Rome came in, they took the Greek, but then they started introducing Latin. You got to speak our language. And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to take my disciples and I'm going to empower them to speak the language of the people they're ministering to. Listen, Man, there's just an unselfishness that happens right here in Acts chapter 2. Why? Because people are our target. And we got to keep that in mind as we read through the book of Acts. There are four things that we see here in, in Acts chapter 2. And the first one is this. God's plans require God's power. God's plans require God's power. Listen, this assignment that we've been given to carry the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth it cannot be accomplished in human strength. We'll never do what God has called us to do, Vertical Church, if we try to do it in our own strength. Luke is showing us how this small group of, of, of fearful, puzzled, insecure, largely uneducated men and women could so quickly become a force to be reckoned with all over the known world. And it happened because they, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It happened because they had purpose. They had the power of God to reach the people around them. A few years ago, uh, it reminds me, a few years ago, we, were, uh, we do this thing periodically at, at Vertical Church, usually in the fall. I don't think we did it this last year. Uh, sorry, Michael, Ryan, everybody else that wanted to do it. I apologize. You'll want to make it happen this fall. Y'all go for it. Uh, we do this thing called the Turkey Bowl. And it's when a bunch of guys get together and we play flag football. Somebody usually gets hurt. Usually somebody has to go to the hospital because they broke something because that's what happens when guys get together. So this time, we, a few years ago, we were playing flag football, the Turkey Bowl, in uh, Zach Adkins' backyard. Shout out to Zach Adkins. Zach and Jess used to be part of our church. They moved to Ohio several years ago. Uh, we were in their backyard. And part of the Turkey Bowl was we're going to play flag football, but we're also going to everybody bring their own meat and we're going to grill it and we're going to eat and we're just going to have fun, right? So so I brought this like round grill and I got the charcoal because I was like, man, people want to eat charcoal. You know, they want to not eat charcoal, but you know, they want the flavor of charcoal. And so we loaded the, the grill up with the charcoal and we lit it on fire and, and it got hot, right? And then everybody put their meat on the grill and we shut the lid and we're waiting and we're waiting. And periodically we lift the lid up and it's like, there's not a grill mark on any of this meat. <laughs> like, what's happening? And what we discovered is that, it, like, it started getting dark, right? Like, the, the back porch lights weren't working, and it was just, and we could barely see. Like, we had our flashlights on our phones on to see if the meat was cooking, and it wasn't because what had happened is we had more meat on the grill than we had fire down below. Come on, somebody. Like, that'll preach, Right? And when I look at the church, and listen, Vertical Church, we're not an exception to this. Sometimes we have more meat than we have fire. 
Sometimes we got more dreams than we have fire. We got more vision than we have fire. And I believe God wants us to know, come on church, there's enough fire for everything God has called us to do. We just have to access the fire that's been made available to us through the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be a church like that. I don't want to create a movement like that. I don't want us to have a revival like that where we have more we have more on the grill than we do fire down below to cook it. I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. I want to overpromise and overdeliver. I want to declare the wonders of God and then I want the fire of God to be burning so strongly in our church that it does more than we could ever imagine or dream up. I don't want to have more dreams than fire. I don't want to have more vision than fire. Now, eventually what we did is we took Zach's gas grill and we cranked that bad boy up and we turned the gas on and we got some fire cooking because, come on, we had access to more fire. We just didn't turn it on. And listen, Vertical Church, here's what, let me just like, share this pastoral moment with you. Here's my prayer during this reset series and during this reading through of the book of Acts. God, turn up the fire. Lord, whatever it looks like, God, crank up the temperature in our church. Crank up the evangelistic temperature. Crank up the worship temperature. Crank up the discipleship temperature. Crank up the fellowship temperature. God, we want more fire than we have right now because we don't want to let things sit on the grill and not cook because we didn't access the fire that you've made available. So come on. Come on. We want more fire. God's plans require God's power. Number two, the second thing we see in this is that their purpose was already fulfilled, but not yet completed. Now, I know that sounds strange, right? But what had Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1? He told them they would go from, they would go from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, guess what? Day one, God brought the ends of the earth to Jerusalem. God brought the ends of the earth. Check this out. This is a map of of the the nations that were gathered there in Jerusalem for Pentecost. Look at this. Like this is this is the known world of power. This is like the known world coming to Jerusalem on day one. And what that tells me is that the Holy Spirit is in the geography busting business. Let me say that again. The the Holy Spirit is in the geography-busting business. An explosion took place in this little blip on the radar called Jerusalem for the Roman Empire, but the effects of this explosion changed the world. And when I look at our church, Vertical Church, when I look at you and and me, when I look at our, our group of people, just like Jerusalem was the epicenter of a move of God, What's preventing Hampton Roads from being an epicenter of revival? What's preventing Vertical Church from being an upper room where 120 people get lit on fire with the Holy Spirit and they take the gospel to the world? There are so many people who are traveling and moving in and out of this region coming and going, going here and there. Some of you travel for work. Some of you, some of you are military and your deployments take you to the, the far reaches of the world. So what's preventing us? What's preventing us from being, for, for the next 10 years, being an epicenter of revival? Sending people out f- on fire for God, dropping seeds of faith wherever they go. 
Come on, all that. We can get frustrated that people come for two or three years and then they leave, or we can see all of that through a gospel purpose and say, you know what? Our purpose is to carry the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth, to display the presence of God wherever we go. So come on, when you're traveling for work, when you're on deployment, when you're, when you're visiting that, that company somewhere, did you unleash a seed of faith or a seed of prayer over that place while you were there? Are you going to leave that place better than when you found it? Are you going to discover what God is doing in that community and take your fire and add to it? Because your purpose isn't that job. Your purpose isn't that promotion. Your purpose isn't in being a mom or a dad. Your purpose is to carry the name of Jesus Christ wherever you go. Our purpose, Vertical Church, is to lead people to display, is to lead people to pursue the presence of God and display the presence of God throughout Hampton Roads and beyond. So come on, their purpose was, was already fulfilled Day one, but it wasn't yet completed. There was still more work to do. Now, the third thing I see in this is that there's a noticeable change in the disciples. There's a noticeable change in people. Because when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, come on, there's going to be a change. There's going to be a noticeable change. Listen, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's not just a doctrinal statement for us. We're talking about transformative change. And I'm not, we're not talking about like, personality change. We're not talking about like when the Holy Spirit, you know, fills your life, you go from an extrovert to an introvert or an introvert to an extrovert or it changes your disc profile or your Enneagram number. No, 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 no. Here, here's what I mean. When the Holy Spirit came into my life, there was something different about me. There, there was something different about me because of him. There, there was something about me that's different about me because of him. And, and that's what, like, you can't have the third person of the Trinity living in your life, taking up residence in your life, and not be changed. Notice that the disciples, immediately, they were all moved by the power of the Spirit. Not all the same way. They didn't go all live the same kind of life, doing the same things, but they were all moved. And I just want to encourage, like, man, if there's nothing different about you, if there's nothing different about you, then what difference does it make that Christ is in you? If there's nothing different about you, what difference does it make that the Holy Spirit is in you? Because this isn't just a mental belief. This isn't just doctrine. This is purpose that requires power to reach people. And we gotta, we gotta move beyond a statement of faith and move into this is life. This is my life. Number four, the fourth thing that I see when I read this is that the, the apostles were equally excited about the, the gospel going as they were the Spirit coming. They were equally excited about these two, two things, the gospel going and the Spirit coming. Look, look at it in the text. They embraced the coming and the going. And I just want to tell you, church, I want to live that way. I want to live in this text because our vision as a church boils down to two things. Come on. And, and I've wrestled with the language because it's really long, but, but it boils, boils down to two things. Pursuing the presence and displaying the presence. The Spirit coming and the gospel going. That's what I want to be about. That's what I want our church to be about. The Spirit coming and the gospel going. Pursuing and displaying. And friends, that's how they change the world. 
That's how the, how do we change the world? Well, we take the attitude of the disciples. We're as excited about the spirit coming as we are the gospel going. We want to lead people to pursue and display the presence of God throughout Hampton Roads. 120 people, Acts chapter 2 in that upper room, sparked a revival in Jerusalem. And guess what? 3,000 people were saved in one day. And I read that. Come on, why not us? Why not now? Why not here? Why not Vertical Church? Why not Hampton Roads? Why not Chesapeake, Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Portsmouth, Suffolk, Virginia? Why not the South Side? Why not here? Why not now? 120 people can get so fired up that 3,000 get saved in one day. Why not again? Why not now? Because again, I just want to remind you, the outcome that we're looking for in this Reset series isn't more knowledge about the Bible. It's not more knowledge about Acts. The outcome that we're, that we're aiming for, the goal that we want to see realized is that we would be marked by the presence of God, that we would be marked by the presence of the Holy Spirit, that we would be lit on fire so that everywhere we go, we create wildfire. We create, we, we're not a campfire where people are just coming in. No, no, no. We're taking the fire to the people. We're, we're lighting and igniting fires everywhere we go. And that's why I love the question, uh, it says, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And I want to ask you that question. Before we move into one more worship song, we're going to sing the God of revival because I believe that's what, I believe that's what God wants to do in our church is just ignite a revival. Not a series of meetings where we come together, no, 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 but where the fire of God is revived in your life and burns brighter tomorrow than it is today. So let me ask you this question. Are you and I living lives? Are, are you and I pursuing and displaying the presence so that the people around us are asking, what does that mean? What, is, what does that mean? Come on, let's, let's sing this song. When the song's over, I'll come back and pray and wrap up Thank our Thank you experience. so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.